It's the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. We're back for the 2020 season. Tonight, it's the 2020 preseason. Camp notes and draft hopes. Lot of bass, some good bass there. It's Sting, my friend. <laughs> he gets turned up in the mix. That's right, him and Getty, some some cool vocalist basses. So, Dave, welcome back to the podcast. I'm gonna reach and try to. It's nice you to there. see you in our socially distant studio. If we're both a full arm's length away, then we are six feet apart. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Uh, it's good to be back, guys, on the podcast. It's nice to be talking about football again. We are, I believe, as Mike informed us earlier today, eight days away from the start of the NFL football season. It's closer all the time. 2020. Closer all the time. Uh, looking forward to 256 regular season football games. That's all we need to play fantasy football. Uh, and I'm sure if we get that, then we'll get plenty of playoff games as well. Um, but... You know, before we get into that, we have to do the thing we always do, and um, I should introduce myself. I am Jason Evans, here with David Biggs, as always, and we are drinking a few beers and talking about football. Dave, what are you drinking? That's the plan. Uh, we we are drinking, well, I am anyway, the Endall IPA from Solemn Oath Brewery. And yeah. we're, we're in the uh, suburbs of Chicago, and I've actually been to Solemn Oath a bunch of times for uh, some unique events. They've got really cool people working there, and uh, it's a neat place to go. So I highly recommend it. But yeah, Solemn Oath End All IPA. That's a great name for an IPA, but I got it beat here. Uh, the next beer we're going to crack open is from Prairie Artisan Ales. It's called Phantasmagoria. It's Sweet. a double IPA. Sounds spooky. Yeah, it's going to be delicious, I suspect. <laughs> is that good sound? Oh, that's right. Oh, how satisfying. I think that might have clipped. It's too loud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we had uh, some great news during the off season. aside from congratulating uh, two of our Drink 5 uh, team members on welcoming sons into their lives, into their families, uh, into the greater Drink 5 family. Uh, uh, the man sitting across from me wound up being the number six most accurate expert for the 2019 draft rankings. Congratulations, Dave, on Fantasy Pros. You were number six for the most accurate expert for the 2019 draft rankings. Yeah, that's great. I, I dig number six. I'm going for number five. You know, it seems easier than number four. So Life we'll, goals. We'll see what we can do. Always improving. But, yeah, that was that was very cool. There's, uh, there's like 200 or so fantasy experts that are deemed worthy by this particular organization that's kind of uh, risen up in the, uh, the echelon of uh, uh, fantasy news websites. And I think a lot of people use it now. They have really cool apps and software. And I don't get paid by them, but I really do dig the uh, the idea that we can kind of be um, we can be graded uh, on how well we do uh, from week to week and from season to season, as compared to all those other people out there that are also just you know telling or advising the fantasy football uh, players in the world exactly what they should do from week to week and. 
so it's good to see that we're giving people these uh, different advices and providing rankings. And it's not just a shot in the dark, you know. It uh, there is some validity to it. You are, in fact, an expert, sir. All right. As we all try to claim to be. <laughs> so um, you can go and check out Dave's 2020 rankings. They are on our website now. Go to drink5.com. It is the top article there. The draft rankings for the preseason. Uh, 2020. There's also some Dynasty rankings there as well. If you happen to be starting up a Dynasty League this year or even drafting in a Dynasty League, you can just cross off all the guys that are already taken. That might take you a minute. But, you know, uh, check out Dave's rankings. And um, we are resuming our weekly podcast beginning tonight, as you can tell, September 2nd. We will probably do uh, every Wednesday, as we have in the past. We haven't discussed that yet, so, you know, Put a little asterisk next to that, subject to change if we feel like it. Um, we are going to switch from Mixler, however, over to YouTube. Uh, in order to stream, we're going to have some video streaming on YouTube. That'll start in the next few weeks. Pay attention to our Twitter feed is the best place to get updated info um, for that. Yeah, that's right. And you know what's funny? Uh, since we're just starting a YouTube channel, you, you actually can't get a custom URL until you have like 100 or so subscribers. So we'll uh, make an announcement on the website and link to that page so that some of you listening can go ahead and follow that page because we don't get to do cool shit until you know we get uh, a reasonable amount of people that are watching it. That's fair enough. I think that... Um... You know, that won't take too long, I no, hope. No, I don't think it'll take long at all. But we, we appreciate you month, guys uh, hanging out and watching. Yep. Yeah. All right, so uh, grab yourself a drink and get ready for some football talk, guys. begin the news portion of tonight's show as every other news portion in the world begins their uh show with and that's a COVID 19 update so some notes and numbers from nfl.com from august 21st to the 29th 58,621 tests were administered to a total of 8,739 players and team personnel 23,279 of those tests were administered to 2,747 players, and 35,000 or so tests were administered to almost 6,000 personnel. That's a lot of numbers. Which goes to show that there's almost three times, or <laughs> there's more than double the personnel that, as there are players. Yeah, for sure. You know, when you have 53 players on a roster, they're probably traveling with 150 plus people. Um, and I believe we talked about this a little bit back when we had our last show, um, right before the draft. Um, and I was just kind of going through the uh, numbers of what you would need to test. And it seems like they've got the infrastructure in place now. They're doing incredible amounts of testing. There have been four new confirmed positive tests found among the players, six new confirmed positive tests found among the other personnel. So statistically combined, there's 10 total tests over nearly 59,000 that produced a positivity rate of 0. Uh, what is it? 17 one thousandths of a percent. Yep. So that's good news so far. They're doing a great job at keeping everybody um, safe. Let's hope that that can continue through traveling. Uh, for games, we saw the MLB had quite a hiccup when they started the season, but it seems to have smoothed out a bit. 
the NBA and the NHL seem to be running pretty smoothly. I know for quite a long time the NHL had no tests. I haven't looked that up in a little while. Um, so let's hope that, you know, they're able to continue with this. And like I said earlier, we're looking forward to 256 regular season football games. <laughs> yeah, we're um... – so, so Jason and I are commissioners, of course, of a, a, quite a few fantasy football leagues. Him more than I. Uh, I tend to uh, be more of a player than a commish uh, because it takes a lot of work. So, so one, uh, to all those commissioners out there that have started up leagues and done drafts and dealt with bullshit and uh, have to do all the, um, uh, all the cleanup work and, and all the maintenance involved in all of that, good for you. We appreciate you out there, especially guys like me who just contribute uh, funds and uh, and play the game. Don't have to think about a lot of that stuff. You bring beer to the draft, too. Yeah, you got to donate. Important. You have to donate beer to the cause. <laughs> it's important. That's, that's why the commissioners all want to host, because they get to keep all the leftover beer. <laughs> yes. And we don't want to spend much time on this or, or wax political over anything, but I think the important thing and the message here is that uh, is that we are concerned as anyone else is about the safety of the players etc but it seems like they're doing a good job so far so yeah uh congrats there so yeah find ways to uh responsibly enjoy your football this year um probably not in a crowded bar right now (laughs) but you know it's a great excuse to buy yourself a nice big tv if you don't have one already you can just go uh, to Florida, though, if you're interested in the in the crowded bars. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> to Jagland, as Mike so eloquently called it. <laughs> so, uh, we'll get to the Jags in a second. First up, uh, on the player news front, Mohamed Sanu was released from the Patriots this afternoon. They had given up a second-round pick to Atlanta last year to acquire Sanu. Um, he had a really bad ankle injury that has nagged him throughout the last couple of years, I think, right? Yep. Um, so, unfortunately, he won't be a part of the Patriots well, in 2020. to interject, uh, the, the ankle injuries that he's had in the past didn't have much to do with what happened right when they got him this year, so the past year. So okay. they got him at the end of the year, and then right after they uh, traded for him for a second rounder, he, he went down with an ankle injury, which has never really... Uh, Just another ankle injury? Yeah, and, and uh, that's one of those... Uh, <laughs> One of those horrible situations for a team, because it's not often that in the NFL they're trading first or second round picks for players. Uh, that's true. It's happened a lot more in the last ten years, I feel, than it did, you know, way before that. But at the same time, there's still draft picks are very precious to the general managers of all the clubs, and they do not give them up lightly. Yeah, Bill was like, let's go for a playoff push, we need another receiver, and then he just kind of got jackhammered right there uh, last year. It didn't work out that way. Yeah, <laughs> yep. so the Patriots still have Julian Edelman, they have Nikhil, Car- Nikhil Harry, and they really need some more help at receiver. They had some other young guys. I don't know how their camp is going so so far, and nobody really knows how their camps are going because they haven't been able to play any real football. So um, the first couple of weeks are going to be very interesting. Mike in the chat room also mentioned that that second-round pick turned into uh, Dobbins uh, after the pick was traded to the Ravens for Hurst. So, like, uh, it's, it's really interesting how to, to follow all of that. So the, pa- the Patriots got nothing, and then, uh, the, you know, J.K. Dobbins came from that. So that's pretty, uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that's inter- and, and Hurst, you know, basically came from that too. So, you know, Hurst is going to be an interesting uh, player. I like him on that offense. Yeah, him I and, like the tight end position. Him and Andrews. Uh, there was like 16 tight ends on the Baltimore Ravens uh, last year. Right. They did not need so many <laughs> tight ends. And I think that the tight end as a position itself, almost regardless of who plays it, as long as there's someone competent there, is going to excel in Atlanta because that's what the offense uh, is sort of built around besides, 
you know, their main wide receivers. You're just hoping for like a, another Tony Gonzalez to to appear. No, no, it'll be more like uh, what's his face last year who got traded to the Browns. Um, boy, we're we're starting off great. I need more <laughs> names in front of me. Um, names and numbers. That's Austin all Hooper is oh, his yeah. name. Hooper, right? Didn't even have to look it up. And Hooper is a good example of one of those guys that's not like tr- a truly impressive athlete. He just did really yeah. well. I just had to remember. So the one of the fantasy podcasts I listened to is on the Ringer, and one of the guys on the podcast went to like middle school and played like t-ball with Austin Hooper. So they just constantly make fun of the guy for never being able to beat Austin Hooper. <laughs> uh, so uh, some news that updated just before the show, Leonard Fournette, who was cut from the Jaguars, I believe, yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, went unclaimed on waivers, and now he's been picked up by the Bucks. So he's going to be competing with Ronald Jones for carries. Um, I think that Leonard Fournette will probably wind up being the – primary option in that offense here's a here's as a, far as running back goes but certainly not going to get anywhere near the volume he had in jacksonville here's a team that that only had uh, uh ronald jones right and and then they brought in Keyshawn vaughn who is a, a draft pick that is pretty highly uh looked looked at uh and i know like for example you took Keyshawn right in a rookie draft and now it's just yes. like piles of things on top of him. I also drafted Leonard Fournette in a redraft back on Saturday. Well, it's not so bad. <laughs> if he ends up being the lead guy in on the Bucks, which should be a pretty high-powered offense, that could be impressive. But uh, and and we're not we're not prepared to maybe dig into all this yet because he hasn't even practiced with them yet. But you have Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, and Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, so they now have, uh, I think, a pretty good collection of running backs over there. Yeah, I, I'm happy. Look, the Bucks are happy with what they've got yeah. on offense, I'm sure. The Bucks are happy. I, I'm not exactly thrilled. But then again, I don't know what I was expecting from Jacksonville. What I thought I was getting from Leonard Fournette was a guy who was going to have a huge volume and probably regress upward towards his normal touchdown total. Um, and I thought I was getting you know decent draft value. So we'll find out what happens with him. He's going to be on my team for a while, and I'm going <laughs> to have to deal with that. Yeah, you certainly can't trade him now. You'd have to wait a little bit until there's some announcement like he's going to be the lead runner or something. Right. Like Remember, that. guys, don't sell low. That's not smart fantasy football. Do you think there's a there's a possibility that uh, one of the reasons why they got rid of Leonard Fournette is because of the guys that they have in Jacksonville? For example, my guy, Chris Thompson, who is fantastic. And if, uh, if the... If the Jags are are just trying to um, you know to to tank or not really worry about what their record's going to be this year, they might just be giving that guy all the balls. They are definitely trying to tank, and I think that we're gonna uh, get the newest uh, Cecil shorts out of that. New Cecil shorts. Yeah. All right. And I did draft <laughs> Chris Thompson in that same league. I drafted Lennon Fournette, so just a little bit of backup that'll help me out, I hope. You're all set there. Yeah. So Joe Mixon, he signed a four-year, $48 million extension. That'll take him through 2024 on the Bengals. He is one of the uh, youngest workhorse backs, I would say, in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. He is an RB1. He's tied to the success of Joe Burrow. As Joe Burrow goes, so goes the Bengals. We will find out how that goes uh, this year. He's in a very tough division not the toughest in the league i would say but perhaps the toughest division in the afc certainly a tough division yeah totally agree yeah so i think that mixon will be a great uh bet for sustained fantasy production the Bengals aren't particularly good at winning games that doesn't really matter when you need fantasy production though yeah especially out of like a passing game and you know that um 
if he can catch the ball, he will remain in the game late in garbage time. So that's important. It won't just be all Giovanni Bernard. Bernard. No, and we saw that even when Gio was healthy, that Mixon was still out there as long as Mixon was healthy, getting all of those touches. Um, so I, I still, and I think you agree with me, that uh, it's it's a little bit shy. Um, we're a little bit shy in, in drafting Mixon so early when he's going currently with ADP. But that all depends on, on Burrow, like you mentioned. So if the Bengals offense is good enough to stay on the field to get the yardage in the first downs, then Mixon will be a top 10 running back probably. Yeah, just to look at his numbers real quick, I don't want to step on anything you're going to do later, but Mixon, he is a 7 at ADP. I believe I'm reading that right. Uh, you've got him ranked 8th, so right around where he should go. Yeah. Looks like he'll be a late first rounder if you're in a 12-team league or an early second rounder in most uh, drafts. Mm-hmm. And, and that makes a lot of sense for a guy who's going to get Upwards of 250 to 300 touches this year. Uh, you know, that's a ton of value. That's what you look for for any kind of running back that you want to be your number one guy. So Terrell Williams, he suffered a torn labrum. He'll be out for the season. On the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, I almost said Oakland as I was trying to <laughs> specify what city they're in. They have Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, the rookie. Henry Ruggs is also a rookie. Rookies. And Hunter Renfro, second-year guy. They will be the starting receivers for the Las Vegas Raiders this year. Question is, will any of them be startable as a week one fantasy asset or even going into the season? Um, I drafted Brian Edwards in a dynasty league. I think maybe both of my dynasties. No, probably just one of them. And um, I, I'm afraid that they're just going to want to force feed rugs. Uh, I don't see Renfro as being a guy who can be as consistent as you'd want. But one of those guys must... like. Statistics will tell you that one of them is going to wind up being an every week starter. Which one of them do you think it'll be, Dave? A fantasy starter, that is. Well, you, you, you have to understand the players, right? And and Sean Foss uh, is our rookie expert, and he is right now, I think, uh, writing up the, the next rookie report feature, which is going to come out. As we speak, we have him locked in the basement, <laughs> writing away. Well... Does not does not get to come out until he's written four thousand words. That's right. It probably will be. He's a he's he's, <laughs> he's a, a loquacious gentleman. Yeah. So so look for that article on the site this week, and we'll do a show about it featuring that kind of stuff next week. But uh, some of the things that that he's told us um, about rugs, and a lot of people know because he was the fastest guy in the draft, is that he'll be that guy who's burning everybody downfield. Uh, and he's not going to be like a you know possession re- receiver or something like that. Whereas Brian Edwards is a is a big uh, um, you know uh, guy who's going to get those contested balls, etc. And it's great that they have both of those players. My main concern is not that those receivers aren't aren't good or won't be startable. It's the quarterback play um, uh, of the Raiders, and so. Uh, do they have it in them to you know to throw that amount of balls and recall the right plays and make both of them fantasy relevant? I would bet on Brian Edwards over Rugs because I'm not confident that the team's going to be able to make those plays happen where he's getting open downfield and connect with him. Now, not to call you out, but I do just want to know if you will still defend your statement offline, not on the podcast, that you think the Raiders will flop around like fish on pavement. I, I did say that. <laughs> I think I think some some truths are self-evident. You know, uh, the uh, uh, governmental works of the United States, notwithstanding, 
I, I think some of that is that the Cleveland Browns will always be a bad football team and that the Raiders will always struggle with offense, um, at least, uh, you know, over the recent years. So I, until I can see the ship turning around, um, you know, I think that they're going to be the same old Raiders and not really be able to put it together in a cohesive way for there to be multiple receivers that all are startable on your fantasy team. All right, uh, moving on. We've got Coach Ron Rivera of the Washington football team announced that Dwayne Haskins will be their week one starter against the Eagles. They have Alex Smith and Kyle Allen on the roster as well, but Haskins will get a chance to show that he's worthy of starting in the NFL, uh, as he did last year, right? Mm-hmm. And the end of the year, he actually did well. and He had a couple stumbles. but yeah, uh... He's got some good receivers around him. Uh, you got Scary Terry McLaurin, <laughs> who was really good last year. He was sort of the fantasy rookie darling, at least at wide receiver. And then you've got uh, Sims Chris Sims? Steven Sims. Steven Sims, thank you. Um, so uh, aside from that, there isn't a ton of offensive talent on the Washington football team. So, uh, you know, aside from looking at Dwayne Haskins, who I assume will start all season long unless he is injured or absolutely terribly horrible, I just hope Ron Rivera can uh, stay healthy and beat the uh, cancer that he's got. Um, That was, you know, kind of a bummer. A lot of people here in Chicago uh, have a lot of fond memories of Ron Rivera from the 85 Bears and coaching in the 05, uh, uh, 05 Bears team that made the Super Bowl. And I hope nothing but the best for him. Yeah, cheers to that. Uh, and Stephen Sims is an interesting guy because he, uh, you may, you might know that Antonio Gandy Golden was another wide receiver that was drafted to the Washington football team. Uh, and Gandy Golden obviously has higher draft capital than Stephen Sims because Sims was undrafted. Right. But they picked up Stephen Sims. He's kind of stood out at camp so far, and they kind of want him now to be a Z receiver for that team. Uh, and so he's going to be... Z being a slot receiver? No. Z being an uh, outside? outside guy. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, right gotta now... got to refresh all these terms for the year. <laughs> of course. Uh, so Sims and uh, Dontrell Inman uh, are, are working alongside Terry McLaurin as the starting wide receivers currently for Washington. And I know, like you said, that Washington has um, uh, a ways to go here, especially with Haskins, who's uh, a quarterback who's only started a couple games. But yeah. the cool thing is, as we all know, as uh, as fantasy pros and uh, fantasy players, um, the teams that are uh, losing and on the losing side of the football game are going to throw the ball more than the other team. And it tends to be better for the receivers in general if you're that team and not the team that is, is winning uh, most of the game. Yeah. I mean, fantasy-wise, that's all we care about. Yep. Yep, yep. So I think that we should do a thing this year where we pick a new name for Washington every year and offer it to them. Not every year, but like maybe even every week. I still think they'll be the Red Wolves. I hope they are, but we'll see what happens the with Red them. Red Wolves? Uh-huh. I think they should just have a one name. <laughs> uh, a one name name. Well, there's a couple reasons for that. I guess there's sort of a... Uh, well, I won't get into that. I agree with, with your premise. Let's let's go ahead uh, and, and see what we can come up with this year for Washington. All right. Let love had gone.
about the Washington Bada Bings. Uh, we'll honor the great Tony Soprano. The Bada Bings. Yeah, we should only suggest names that are also strip clubs. <laughs> Uh, well, let's let's get to the next segment. We we only have a couple more things to chat about. But if there is anybody in the chat room that has any questions, let us know. And uh, we are just starting this whole thing up again. So we we hope to build a good live audience during our YouTube broadcast. So all of you who are listening after the show, um, you know, whether it be on Thursday or Friday or Saturday, uh, looking forward to next Thursday, which is the start of the football season. Um, please do join us. Uh, go to drink5.com where I'm sure by that point there will be some kind of an article that points you to our YouTube channel. I will make an announcement about that in an article on the site. Dave knows how to internet. He's going to make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so since 1994, man. Uh, since 1994, you've been internet. It's like AOL 2.6 beta or something. You were 12 whole years old. <laughs> I was on MIRC downloading MP3s. It took a half hour each. I'll tell you, yeah, twelve year olds, twelve year olds shouldn't be on the internet in the nineties. There was all sorts of bad we were getting up to. Oh boy, those were the wild, wild west days of the internet. That's right. Of AOL and Prodigy. So, so here's some some camp battle stuff, and here's a disclaimer: um, we're going to be using some information from FantasyPros.com. Again, recommended resource. Um, not necessarily to follow blindly someone's instructions and rankings, but just to go look at the ECR, which is the Expert Consensus Ranking, which is that group of 150, 200 fantasy experts and, and just the uh, amalgamate. Why wouldn't you want to know the consensus of experts? Yeah, exactly. So you can take how you think about a player and then compare it to that average, and it also helps... Um, to, to look at the ADP, which is the average draft position, which is listed there, and they have that information from many other sites that they uh, compare yeah, with. Yeah, they aggregate all the drafts that are done on Yahoo yep. and on like ESPN and NFL.com, and then even mock drafting sites like Fantasy Football Calculator. Yep. Um, so it's really the closest thing that fantasy football has to science. Mm-hmm. And, and then also uh, half PPR scoring is what I'm going to be talking about almost always throughout this year because I think Jason and I agree that half PPR is probably the the, the best uh, and the new standard that we want to use going forward for our leagues for the most part. Uh, I think it's uh, the most fair, and, and playing standard leagues uh, is is it's a little uh, Sleepy. problematic um, when you're talking about these wide receivers and uh, versus running backs versus uh, tight ends. The, the PPR helps the, the score go up a little bit, and it helps all the, the players um, equalize and balance their positional um, We want scoring. more points is what Dave is saying. We love more points. So uh, these battles, we'll start with DeAndre Swift, who is a rookie this year. Uh, round two, pick number 35 overall for the Detroit Lions at running back. And the incumbent, uh, on Johnson. DeAndre Swift is currently uh, the RB26 in ECR and Carrion Johnson RB37. And Swift uh, returned to practice this week from a leg injury. It's not really clear if he's going to have an early role in the offense or if Johnson will retain the starting job as the season starts yet. But you have to remember in 2019, Johnson ranked 39th in missed tackles uh, forced per rushing attempt with a minimum of 25 attempts, and ranked behind teammates J.D. McKissick, Bo Scarborough, Scarborough, and Ty Johnson in yards after contact per attempt. In other words, he uh, is not very elusive, 
and he's also not one of those guys that breaks a lot of tackles while running. So he gets what's blocked for him and not much more. Yep, and he's also appeared in only 18 of a possible 32 games that he played in or was going to play in. So it seems likely to me that Johnson starts off the year uh, because of the injury to Swift, but seeds work to Swift as long as he's healthy before moving into more of a backup role. I and some other experts agree that Swift should take over this job as the year moves along. And I don't know about you, but I see a much better year for Detroit coming. They have good receivers. Stafford is healthy. They've got a backfield full of a couple different options. I don't see a reason why they can't be a 500 team producing fantasy production. Aside from being Detroit, (laughs) you know, look, it's 2020. Shit is crazy. Either Detroit's going to go 0-16 again, or they're going to win the Super Bowl. It's just I don't of, see much middle ground. It's one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I don't know if you agree with me. What's your opinion? I think Swift is a guy to target if you can get him uh, lower, and, and in Dynasty Leagues, absolutely. But I think this is a guy that will end the season as the starter there, is what I'm trying to say. Um, I, I, I generally concur with you. I can't imagine that they would want to stick with on Johnson longer than they have to. <laughs> they are not going to have this guy suddenly become a different player, they are going to be using as many other guys as they can uh, while, you know, letting on Johnson sort of take a bunch of hits for them. Um, and then as soon as someone else sort of emerges as being better than him, they're going to go with them. And then it will most likely be DeAndre Swift as soon as he is able to uh, be healthy enough to remain on the field. Yeah. Um, so Mike had a question in the chat room, and we're going to get to... I think some of that in a little bit on the show, right, Dave? Uh, the favorite value player versus ADP, or at least value versus ECR. We can talk about a little of that. What's uh, I think the other question we could answer now, though, we could jump into it. Okay. And what's the other question about tight end? The other ends, question, right? uh, the favorite late tight end target. Uh, if you're gonna, if you're not gonna draft one of the guys early, who do you like later? Say, um, you know, your your top five tight ends, for example, Kelsey, Kittle, Andrews, Ertz, and Waller. I would say that those guys are definitely being drafted way early, and then after that, it's going to be, um, you know, whatever you can find, right? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, it, it depends on where you feel comfortable grabbing one, and obviously tight ends uh, after those those first five that you mentioned are not going to be performing out of this world. And I would certainly put Kelsey and Kittle up in a tier to themselves, I think. we got Andrew, Absolutely. Andrews, Ertz, and maybe Waller can be in that third one. Um, but there are some players... You've like, got like a Tier 1 and a Tier 3. There isn't much of a Tier 2 here. No. Maybe Mark Andrews on his own in a Tier 2. Yeah, Andrews is certainly up there uh, because they got rid of Hurst and they didn't get any new guys. They they certainly are looking at Andrews as the tight end of the future there. His usage model shouldn't change much from last year, so we should see a lot there. And Zach Ertz, the only thing I'm, I'm really afraid of uh, is uh, Dallas uh, Godert. Uh, yeah, but they gave Ertz the money, I know. not Goddard. So because because Dallas uh, is really successful there, I'm sure they'll use him. But uh, Ertz was on a contract that was about to expire, and they paid the guy. So now you've got Ertz, Kelsey, and Kittle all locked up for quite a long time for those teams. Um, so I, I agree. Yeah. Because they paid him, I assume that they'll use him for the next couple of years. Um, the the guys that that aren't going right away. And does his question say like top ten or is it? Uh, no, he just said late tight ends. Yeah. So I would assume if you're in a 10-team league that you're one of the people getting uh, one of the bottom five at the very least. So uh, I'll, 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 I'll answer that question, and maybe Jason wants to answer it too. But I think that 
Hunter Henry is a good target, but I think he's going to be drafted a little bit earlier than you want to take him because his position on the Chargers is uh, somewhat in flux because of the quarterback situation. Uh, we don't know how that's going to go there with, uh, with Tyrod Taylor, etc. Um, I like Hayden Hurst in Atlanta, but again, he's sort of an unproven commodity because although we know he has the talent, he never actually came out and did anything with it while he was in Baltimore. I concur. I, as I said earlier, I really like his position in Atlanta as a guy who is going to be put on a team that loves to use the tight end, that knows how to use it well. You've got him ranked eighth, which is five positions above his ADP of 13. Um, so I like that. And, you know, not to be too much of a homer, but I like Higby as well. You, you, you got him as your sixth tight end, but on an offense that lost Brandon Cooks, I think that he is going to be, and Todd Gurley, I think that he is going to be a focus. I mean, he had, what, 85-plus yards in the last five games of the season. They're definitely going to try to keep that going. Yeah. But if we, if we go a little bit further down and look at some guys, and I'm not going to even include Rob Gronkowski because I just have no idea – uh, how this gentleman's going to perform <laughs> at all whatsoever? I, I have a feeling he'll do he'll do well, but be uh, non consistent. I think you and I may may pick the same kind of sleeper tight end. Okay, well I I have a couple guys that I like. I'll I'll start with uh, uh, Janu Smith from Tennessee. That was him. That and, was the one I was thinking of. And Smith, of course, um, is is rising to power in in the Titans' offense after Delaney Walker. Uh, is is no longer there as their tight end one. So so this guy um, finished with 44 targets for the year, um, and I think that he's going to continue to see that number go up. He's only played in the NFL for three years, but um, but each year his yardage has gone up, um, and he's he's been a consistent piece of the offense. And I think that we're going to see him now taking over for Delaney Walker with Ryan Tannehill uh, and some better receivers on that team um, as more of a main cog in the offense. Now, I also like TJ Hawkinson from Detroit. I think he's one of those players that should have scored a lot more points than he actually did because of the fact that Stafford wasn't there for the majority of the year and he went through some injuries. And the third guy that I like is Mike Gesicki from Miami, who is a... uh, uh, rookie a couple years ago that came out of school with huge credentials. He was, he was going to be like the, the, the new Gronkowski in the league, but Miami was all full of craziness and it never really happened for him. Uh, I have a feeling that he's going to get a lot more usage this year and next year in Miami. And there's a guy that should be borderline top 10 uh, when you look at the end of the year stats, as long as he's healthy. Uh, we'll see how his chemistry is with Tua, if Tua ends up getting starts. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But I think that Fitzpatrick starts off the year, and Fitzpatrick slings the ball everywhere. Yep. A guy I want to throw in, uh, your 20th ranked tight end, Jack Doyle on Indiana, uh, on Indianapolis, that is. He has alternately played well and uh, taken a backseat to Ebron in the past. He's the main guy there this year. He's got Phillip Rivers, who... Definitely likes to throw to tight ends. He used to have a Hall of Famer tight end, uh, and Phillip Rivers was a big reason why Antonio Gates is a Hall of Famer. And Indianapolis has probably the best offensive line in the league, uh, anchored by Quentin Nelson, and they are going to be uh, an offensive juggernaut this year, I think. And a key part of that will be Jack Doyle. I like Jack Doyle. He, you should be able to pick him up almost as a free agent in a lot of leagues. Okay, and, and one last guy who's also right around there is Eric Ebron. 
on Pittsburgh. So Ebron as the Steelers starting tight end. <laughs> okay, so that was you. I was. I thought that was me. Some video come right in from the uh, from the web. Damn so, autoplay videos. So Eric Ebron on the Steelers has performed really well in practice, but I don't. I don't want to buy into all the hype and stuff. I just know that Roethlisberger will pass the ball to the tight end. We know he will. Unfortunately, we've had guys like Vance McDonald uh, that have been uh, marred with some some injuries and some other things that have kept him off the field. And, of course, the fact that last year with McDonald's, for example, that Roethlisberger wasn't on the field. If you have Roethlisberger, all their new receivers, and Eric Ebron, you could get this guy, uh, you know, maybe six, seven, eight touchdowns over the course of the season. So another one to look at who's definitely a tight end two slash three, but will probably overperform his ADP if you're in a deeper league. All right. So, so back to the camp battles? Hopefully that covers that one. I'll, I'll talk about Alan Lazard, who's uh, listed as wide receiver 59 versus Marquez Valdez-Scantling, uh, heretofore referred to as Scantron, who is the wide receiver 90 uh, currently when we're looking at ECR. Now, the interesting thing about the Packers, as you guys all know, uh, is that they elected not to acquire any real additional help at receiver in the most recent rookie draft, much to Aaron Rodgers' chagrin. Which what they really said was, we need more quarterbacks. <laughs> and Jordan Love is apparently not doing so well, so good, good selections by the Packers' management. And it drove Aaron Rodgers to drinking a lot of sipping tequila while he was watching the draft. I, I know I heard that. And yeah, he's all about like tequila and scotch, whatever you can sip out of a nice tumbler. He's a good guy, that Rodgers. <laughs> I support, he's got his priorities in line. I support anybody who's drinking scotch by the fire and, and planning out his moves carefully. Yes. Um, point is, uh, with Geronimo Allison leaving and Jimmy Graham leaving, that's 100-plus targets that are gone from that offense that need to be uh, sucked back up. And I know that people will say that's not how targets really work. It's not 112 targets or whatever that magically go to somebody else. But, uh, of course, they most of them have to go somewhere. There have to be You targets. could look at it and say, well, Aaron Rodgers probably threw 550 passes last year. That's... 30% of his passes need to go somewhere. Yeah, and Devontae Adams is obviously one of the top wide receivers in the league, has been for years, will probably still be for uh, some time. But there has to be a number two guy that's getting those those touches in the offense as a receiver. So, uh, Devin Funchess w- might have been that guy. He might have gotten his, uh, what would be, third chance in the NFL on the Packers. But uh, he opted out of the 2020 season. And Lazard's primary competition, since Lazard and Rodgers were really connecting last year at the end, I believe there was some kind of injury to Scantron or, or, uh, or something else that was going on with him. I saw a graph where earlier in the season, there's a whole lot of uh, good games with Marquez Valdez, Scantling. And then as the season moves on, it's more and more Alan Lazard instead of him. But uh, He's the Lazard King. <laughs> what are you going to do? Problem is, he's a slow guy. And Valdez Scantling is a really fast guy who can provide game-breaking speed. Those are in quotes, according to Dave uh, made air quotes for the record. Packers beat reporter Jim Osarski. Uh, apparently, media covering the Packers practices, and I don't know if you've heard this or not, have been completely banned from any speculation as to who will win the job. How how is that possibly a thing? I mean, I guess maybe they're making them sign like non-disclosure agreements to walk into the practice field or something. Oh wow! I don't know for sure. I, I mean, that's just hearsay, but I read something on a couple of different websites and on Twitter that they're not allowed to make comments 
on who will win the job, only allowed to make comments on the players' performance themselves as it relates to themselves. I think it'd be hilarious if <laughs> someone was like, you know what, I think this Aaron Rodgers is going to be the starter this year. I like and they're like, nope, we're getting rid of your credentials. They're revoked. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> um, so it's certainly possible that the WR2 in Green Bay puts up enough fantasy production to warrant a bi-week fill-in or flex position. Uh, if we had known who that was last year, that would have been great. But there wasn't really a guy. It was just sort of a, a bet that maybe Alan Lazard would have you know seven receptions for uh, 60 yards and a touchdown. Or maybe nobody on that team would do anything except for Devontae Adams <laughs> on a weekly basis. So we need someone to step up to that role so we can more consistently play a second guy and so that Aaron Rodgers can come into more of a rhythm. It's really disappointing to me and I'm sure all the Packers fans and Aaron Rodgers that the team didn't give him more weapons. But uh, There's a lot of good receivers in this draft. They have to make the best of it, I guess. They are like the guy in fantasy who refuses to do anything but draft best available. Yeah. And that person winds up taking two quarterbacks in the first ten rounds. Yeah. I mean, it's just not how you play. Like, you can't always stick to just one rule when you're drafting. That is true in fantasy football, and that is true in real football. Yeah, it's possible if you do the best available, for example, to then try to trade those players for the ones that you want. But especially in a season like this where there's not a whole lot of, uh, you know, uh, training camp and stuff going on, you don't even know who these players are that you have. So it's, right. it's very difficult. You have to hold on to everybody for a couple of weeks to get some sort of production. There's no hype on anyone. Yeah. I mean, there's hype, but there's no, like, um, there's no tangible hype. There's no real hype where, like, you could actually increase a player's value based on what they did in the preseason. I like that. It's not tangible. You can't hold the hype. No. You can't <laughs> hold the hype. Uh, it's hidden hype. It's unholdable. Yes. So, uh, Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, and this is a fun one, on Denver, Melvin Gordon is currently the RB18 via Fantasy Pros ECR, and Philip Lindsay is the RB34. Uh, can, can I do a quick note on the previous uh, matchup really quick? Yeah, of course. I just wanted to say that the way that you rank them clearly shows that you are much in favor of Lazard compared to Scantron. Yeah. Uh, you have Lazard as a plus eight against his ECR. You have him at 52. And you had uh, Scantron at a minus 15, I want to say. Yeah, minus 15. Yeah, the way that I look at it is I agree that, that Lazard is not a fast guy and he's not the game-breaking guy, but that he has the relationship with Rodgers and currently is the guy that has the job, I think. He's probably a better receiver. Yeah, I mean, he's also 6'5", I think. Uh, so he's a really big guy for Rodgers, which is great. Look, if you can catch the ball and get first downs, you don't have to be the fastest guy out there. Yeah, it just means that you're going to have a ceiling to you, um, but I suppose that's fine. I mean, all that Rodgers really needs is, is one more person to throw the ball to. He needs someone to <laughs> take a little bit of the attention away from Devontae Adams. Yeah. And they're going to have a great running game, as they have in the last few years. Then um, let's hope that Lazard can uh, help out their passing game. Well, I wish that some of these guys with the really crazy names have worked had have, have worked out a little bit better. So Marquez Valdez Scantling and Equinemius uh, Imhotep St. Brown. Yes. Tristan is in there somewhere. Equin Equinemius Imhotep Tristan St. I don't know. Don't make me bust out Kaimi Fairbairn's full name. <laughs> but I, I want there to be more uh, players with the just crazy names uh, that the announcers have to try and fumble and say. That's always fun for me. Yes. 
So uh, Melvin Gordon versus Philip Lindsay. Gordon has been this mainstay in fantasy football over the past few years, and I wrote down the finishes he's had. So 2019, he was the number 22 running back in fantasy points. Uh, 2018, running back 8. 2017, running back 5. 2016, running back 7. Uh, in his first year, 2015, he was running back 43. So he has never been uh, like an unplayable running back. He's always been flexing up, and the past couple years have has been very good. Um, is his last season uh, of being the running back 22 was so disappointing for Melvin when other players, if they were the 22nd best running back, would just be over the moon. That was the year that he held out, too. Yeah. Uh, so Lindsay has also proven that he's not a slouch, and he's only been through two fantasy seasons, but they were 20 and 13. Uh, and so if you look at them both, to have them both on the same team is fantastic. And both have shown the ability to handle these big workloads and produce efficiently during the big workloads. And I don't think it's likely that there is some kind of even split in this scenario. I feel like these guys are guys that want to be out there all the time. And so I think we're going to find that one edges out the other. And if we're going to be honest, I think that has to be Gordon. They required him to be that kind of a guy. He's also a bigger back. Lindsay put on 10 pounds of muscle this offseason. Why do you think that is? It's so that he could could compete with Gordon. Yeah. I mean, this guy's scared right now that he's being supplanted by uh, this this incoming running back. And he should be scared because that's why they drafted him. I I mean, that's uh, why they picked him up. That's why they picked him up, yeah. Um, so it's hard to believe Gordon won't end up with the most touches and early down work in the offense for me. Uh, the coach Vic Fangio said he anticipates them both playing enough where we really don't have to designate a starter, which is the most horrible thing you can ever hear from a that coach. That sounds like speculation. He better stay away from Green Bay. <laughs> he didn't sign his, uh, his agreement. <laughs> so if their workload ends up being anywhere close to, uh, to a split, Gordon will not provide the value that you're drafting him at for uh, RB18. So um, you're looking at those numbers. So what's the ADP for, for Gordon right now? Melvin Gordon, his ADP is, let me switch over to running back really quick. At the moment, where did you have him ranked? Do you remember? Nope, I don't have that up. But... Here he is. He was ranked 19 by you. Uh, that's a minus two in the ADP. That would put him at 21 for ADP. So he's being drafted as a uh, RB2 slash three. In the overall, he is... 35 so that's a a mid fourth round pick oh as i pretty much have that information down here but thank you so uh so basically i'm I'm happy to be here dave (laughs) basically gordon's being drafted in the fourth round and Lindsay's being drafted in the 10th round and i think personally that you're you're not going to get enough fantasy value out of gordon on this offense to draft him over Lindsay, who's a much better value for the ADP, which when I was looking at it was 92 in a 10th round uh, spot for Lindsay. Okay. And that's half PPR um, is what I'm I believe at. I have half up. I think he's been moved down all the way to 100 for his ADP. Well, we may be looking at the, yes. the overall. So so anyway, it's it's difficult to to look at these guys and say here's a team where you have these these two running backs that could both be starters, and I think that in this case, uh, because of Philip Lindsay's production and usage and how the coach wants to utilize him as much as possible, that neither one of these guys is is going to be um, is going to have the constant use that you want out of a running back, and so you, I think you draft the the one that is a higher value, which in this case is Lindsay. That's cheaper, yeah. No, I, I yeah, I think that if you get Lindsay, you have a chance at being pleasantly surprised. If you draft Melvin Gordon, most likely you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. 
Um, let's quickly go over some of these other ones. Uh, Fitzpatrick versus uh, Tagavula. Uh, is that how Tua you pronounce it? Tua Tagovailoa. Is it Tagovailoa? Tagovailoa. <laughs> I'll just call him Tua. So Tua. A lot of these names, you just pronounce all the letters that are there. Tua versus Ryan. Um, Fitzmagic, everybody's favorite incumbent quarterback, has played for half the teams in the NFL already throughout his career. But the Dolphins drafted Tua to be the starter eventually. So when does this era start in Miami? It might start later this year. However, uh, I think that Tua's injury has a little bit to do with the week one starting quarterback being Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, of course, the fact that if any football team is not uh, competing for the Super Bowl or a high place in the postseason, they generally don't put their uh, youngest foot forward. And in this, right. in this case would be the guy they spent a bunch of draft capital on. Instead of starting Fitzpatrick, who is the, the journeyman quarterback that it doesn't matter if he wears out. I think we could say the east coast of Florida is slightly tanking, while the west coast of Florida is really going for it. <laughs> yes. So I think we agree signs point to Fitzpatrick starting the year, and that's more fun for us anyway because Ryan Fitzpatrick is a really fun guy to watch. Bring on the beard. <laughs> and he'll probably... Uh, make Devontae Adams a star for like the first six games. Anybody who lives in Miami not and Adams, is willing Park, to wear that beard is a fucking man. That's right. So watch for Parker to get tons of passes for a little while while, Fitz, <laughs> while Fitzpatrick. And then it completely drops off. So make sure you trade Parker the week before they switch quarterbacks. That's true. And, and you know, we, um, we, we talk about the uh, uh, regular redraft leagues, but also uh, super flex leagues, which are super cool, and uh, dynasty leagues and keeper leagues and two quarterback leagues in general. And Fitzpatrick is not a guy you're going to start in your standard league or your your, uh, your your even your deep redraft necessarily. But in two quarterback leagues, he's actually a pretty damn good quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you've got him at quarterback 31, which still kind of points to not starting in a super flex. No, Fitz is But a, certainly owned, certainly rostered. Fitz is not a player you want on your team. He's a week-to-week matchup hog. Matchup. Who right. can score three touchdowns without a problem if he's playing a bad defense. Yeah. So, But I, I, I agree with myself, which is don't draft Fitzpatrick. <laughs> and, unless you're in like that, that QB2 or super flex. I have a league that allows you to play up to three quarterbacks, so that's a great opportunity to use one of those guys. Then you start every single quarterback. All the quarterbacks. Um, last on the list that I have and a lot of Taysom Hill. details for are Marlon Mack versus Jonathan Taylor. Another interesting uh, camp battle. A, a couple weeks ago, Colts coach Frank, uh, is it pronounced Reich? Reich. So, Okay. A couple of weeks ago, Colts coach Frank Reich reiterated that Marlon Mack is the starting running back, but the Colts will ride the hot hand, in quotes, in the backfield. And Mack will be a free agent after this year and missed six games over the last two seasons. So unless he plays out of his mind football, I think we should expect Taylor to be starting games toward the middle of the season. But we are going to get Marlon Mack as the starter there. And you have Naheem Hines, who has shown that he's a really great receiver in the backfield, who's going to be mixed in. So we really have, uh, starting the season, this sort of three-headed monster. But Jonathan Taylor is, at least on paper, uh, a much more talented running back than the other two are. There's no reason for the Colts not to utilize the other players they have on their team. So while I think that Jonathan Taylor is maybe one of the best running backs that was drafted this year, I don't know if his usage will be crazy, uh, at least until later in the year, or if something happens again to Mac. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of people mixing in for quite a while. Yeah, like any rookie, Jonathan Taylor needs to be good on protections. They have a uh, mostly immobile quarterback in Phillip Rivers there, so protections are going to be important. He's all the way immobile. Okay. <laughs> I mean, is he as immobile as, immobile as like 
Ben Roethlisberger and Tim uh, and Tom Brady. No, and Drew Brees. No. Okay. Well, I, I would put Roethlisberger and I guess Rivers. The, they're up. they're all in in the tier that's yeah. we'll just label as immobile. I think. <laughs> I think I think I put Roethlisberger and Rivers maybe slightly above Tom Brady. I don't know. I don't know. They're all Tom Brady, owner of one thousand career rushing yards. They're all pretty bad. <laughs> So not not quick guys. Uh, that's not the first thing you think of when you think. Philip of Rivers, Rivers has a lot of children to chase around. I'm sure he can move a little. The first thing you think of with Rivers is uh, yes, his his the number of children, the strange sidearm motion that he throws the, the ball. The weird, in. the weirdest really, and, and the fact that he is a <laughs> renowned trash talker who will not cuss. And the weird expressions that he makes all the time. Ooh. He's got the Manning face. <laughs> I do love that he's just keeping it clean, keeping it clean, Rivers. I, it's hard to hate Philip Rivers. I didn't. I never liked him for a while, but I've never hated him. Yeah. Uh, so quickly, here's a couple others, and I'll just uh, ask for your thoughts on these guys. So uh, on the Bears, we have Mitchell Trubisky, who's QB 34 versus Nick Foles, QB 32. Uh, do you think that there is a guy who's going to be the starter for the majority of the season, and does it matter? Does it matter? No. <laughs> I believe that Trubisky will be the starter in week one. But to steal the line from Mike Florio of uh, Pro Football Weekly, the starter of the Bears is really only earning the honor of being the first one benched. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. I think Allen Robinson will still be a good receiver for that team. I think everyone else doesn't matter. Yes, and I think we will see new Allen Robinson money before the season starts. They better keep someone that's good on that team. Yeah, that's smart. <laughs> uh, in Atlanta, we have Brian Hill, who's the RB85, versus Ito Smith, who's the RB70. Versus Quadri Olison, who's the running back 96. Now, uh, with the departure of all of their other incumbent players, Ido Smith is the guy who's played the most. Uh, do you think that it'll be kind of his job to to lose, or is this just going to be a big uh, a big mess all year? I haven't paid much attention to the Falcons' backfield. I did see some hype on Brian Hill. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him be the guy there. Um, I'm still waiting for Devontae Freeman to get signed somewhere. Back to Atlanta. Not going to be back to Atlanta. <laughs> I mean, Fournette got signed like right away. It's a bad sign that Freeman still isn't signed, though. Yep, it's always a bad sign. Yeah. So uh, we'll call that an unsure situation, as I'm sure Atlanta also feels about Look, it. Look, none of those guys are above RB70. So <laughs> yep. you're kind of in a bad situation there. I think they're going to throw the ball a lot. Los Angeles Rams, uh, we have Cam Akers, who's a rookie this year, versus uh, Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown. Now, uh, Henderson seems to to have uh, done a lot of the work last year when we also had Todd Gurley there, and uh, Malcolm Brown was also coming in. But Cam Akers is the guy that they drafted to be the running back. So how soon do you think Cam Akers starts? Or, again, is this like this three-headed monster until they figure out who uh, is the best fit for this year? This reminds me a lot of the Colts situation where you have the rookie is easily the most talented guy on the roster. Um, again, they, ha- they he needs to be able to protect their biggest investment, which is Jared Goff, who I think is making the most money of any quarterback this year. So it comes down to pass protection. So they probably won't use Akers as much to begin the season and have a rotation of Henderson and Brown until Akers right. can show. If that they're playing well and they're up, I think Akers is going to be in a lot because they're going to be able to run the ball a lot and they're going to use him. But if it's a lot of chasing and they're down in games, then they're going to have to be uh, going with the guys who they know can protect Goff and will will be serviceable. And that is the toughest division in the league by far. Maybe the best division I've ever seen in the NFL. 
where you've got Seattle and the 49ers and Arizona and the Rams. And they're all really good teams. They could all finish above 500 this year. Uh, were it not for the fact that they have to play each other so many times. Yeah. Um, in the Eagles, uh, the receiver business has always been tough over there as they require Alshon Jeffrey. He continues to get injured. Well, he's still injured uh, from a new injury and isn't necessarily a lock to come back and start in week one. By that same respect, the guy that they acquired is one of the top wide receivers in this year's drafts class. Jalen Ragor uh, also suffered some kind of injury recently, upper body arm injury. Uh, it ends up being uh, that he's going to be out for, I think, two to four weeks. Um, I, I have to look it up. Maybe you could look it up. Rager. But they said he's going to be out for about four weeks. And the Rager question Targaryen, here yeah. is Deshaun Jackson will probably start the year on the pup list if that hasn't already been announced, which means that all three of their he's starting receivers from. are injured. And the only player that's still there, I think, that would be in that uh, conversation is J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who's wide receiver 93. There's a possibility that the Eagles start the year with Whiteside as their starting receiver. Which is insane. I think what's going to end up happening here, and this is something I didn't uh, realize earlier when we were talking about the tight ends, is that they'll just wind up using both of their tight ends a lot. Yeah, you go in two tight end sets and you put out a couple receivers from you know the practice squad, and uh, and just throw the ball to uh, to uh, Goddard's and uh, and Ertz, and that sounds like a good strategy to me. Uh, but yeah, expected to be out about four weeks with a slight tear in his labrum is the news from Ragor. Uh, and I can't believe that that's the case. It looks like he might come back, and if he does, he'll clearly be the number one guy. Might be back by the end of September. But those that's those a bummer. those poor bastards over in Philly, you know, they were building a, a good squad, and they're going to start the year with no receivers. So who else is even on the depth chart? We've got uh, Deshaun Jackson, Elshon Jeffrey, and Jalen, and yeah, so it's J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, and then a bunch of nobodies. Yeah, so it's going to be a lot of Goddard and Ertz, yep. and yep. and then a lot of Miles Sanders too, uh, and then I guess Deshaun Jackson. Well, he's on pup to start the season. Oh Jesus! Yep. So well, this this uh, depth chart is lying. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, you know, good luck, Philly. I guess you're going to need it. <laughs> I got to get me one more beer here to take us into the last uh, last couple minutes of the podcast. But I wanted to uh, to do one more little segment, and that is again uh, go to the website drink5.com, check out the latest rankings that I have available there. One of the cool things about the article that I published there is it lets you see my whole rankings list from top to bottom for all of the different uh, overall, um, for PPR, for half PPR, and for standard. I also have dynasty rankings, although I need to update those. But let's be honest, how, how often should you update dynasty rankings? I, I tend to do it uh, every couple of, of, of months until we get into the season. I mean, how, how often do you want me to do it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But uh, but I do have those available as well, and I and I. It's going to be a them. function of how much you get paid to do it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so right now, not very much, basically. <laughs> um, but one of the things that we were talking about is the uh, rankings that I have versus the expert consensus ranking or ECR on Fantasy Pros, and Jason was talking about versus ADP. So if we both look at those numbers, I can look at the versus ECR, and maybe you can compare that to ADP. We can talk about a couple of these players. So if we're just looking at ones that are like, let's say, plus minus six or higher, and I can explain why I like them a little bit more than other other people do, perhaps. So if we look at, um, let's look at running backs, uh, plus minus six. Uh, I have Ronald Jones right now uh, ranked as number 26 on my rankings in half PPR. The ECR is at 35, so that's plus nine over where the average expert has them ranked. Now, do you suspect that's going to drop? You're going to drop him with the news of Leonard Fournette. As you know, as as everyone is aware, as news develops, so do the rankings, and they change and morph along with uh, the fluidity expected of uh, the general news cycle. But for right now, uh, Rojo is still the number one guy there. Uh, the likelihood that Leonard Fournette cuts into his carries is pretty high. So I think if you check back with me in a couple of days, he might go back down to uh, to that. So you had him as a plus ten. Or a plus nine. Yeah, he was he was nine higher than nine, the okay. ECR. Yeah, but I did really like him. The news coming out of camp was great. Uh, I feel bad for him. He's probably taken down a peg by by that signing. Um, but uh, on, in Tampa Bay's perspective, and we talked about this a little earlier. I mean, it's not that much money for a guy that was like a, a hugely um, successful uh, running back for a couple years in Jacksonville. So why wouldn't they? You know. Yeah. Um, so that'll probably go down a little bit. Let's let's look at Adrian Peterson for Washington. I have him ranked as number 31, and the ECR is 43 with a differential of plus 12. And I, much like Frank Gore... Oh, his ADP is even crazier. His ADP is 53. So much like Frank Gore, I didn't really want to like Adrian Peterson when he came back. Uh, and Adrian Peterson pretty much forced me to recognize him as still a good running back. And yes, he, he purple can, Jesus has risen as burgundy Jesus. He, he can he can go out there and do whatever he wants for, you know, uh, he might slow down a little bit more than he used to as the game goes on, but I, I saw some games where he looked like he was almost back to his young self. And so if... Do we it, dare call him the young Frank Gore? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but but there's no guys, right? There's no guys. So That's it, true. So Adrian Peterson is the guy at the moment. Got a little foam action going on there. We don't have any paper towels, do we? Uh, nope. No worries. You got a shirt though. Yeah. But that would that would take care of it. <laughs> so the good thing about uh, about tables is that they catch most of the spills. Imagine them. when we're on YouTube, people are going to get to see all of these crazy hijinks. Oh, it's lovely. We're going to have to have tables, I think. Tables. Um, like multiple tables. Okay. So Adrian Peterson, I actually like a lot more. I'm interested in your your thoughts on him, but I just can't get away from the fact that he always outperforms my expectations of him. Like I said, he's the young Frank Gore. And the more I think about it, the more I think that he's going to be a guy who's going to just keep playing until he literally falls apart or nobody wants to sign him anymore. But that's clearly not the case yet. He's going to be <laughs> the starting running back on a team still. Yeah, and he's uh, he's 35. Uh, what is Frank Gore, like 37, 38? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. I, I like that sentiment. It's kind of funny, though. <laughs> um, Boston Scott is a guy I like a little bit more than uh, ECR. I have him at 42. Uh, and this is just for running backs, not overall. 
Um, but the running back 42, where his ECR is 49. And we just talked about that offense and how there's going to be hardly no receivers to catch the ball. Well, Miles Sanders is not, like a lot of people think, going to end up being this immediate RB1 that is in there for you know 350 touches over the season. He's not. Boston Scott's going to get the ball. Some of the other running backs are as well. And Scott has already proved that he can catch it in the backfield. What do you do if there's no receivers? You throw it to the, the pass-catching running backs and the tight ends. And I think we might get a lot of wide receiver distraction and a whole lot of passes to the backfield. So out of ten, out of eleven starts, he had two hundred and twenty-nine touches last year. Let me look at a game breakdown. I, I I kind of disagree with you. I think that Miles Sanders might wind up being a guy who sees the ball twenty-five times a game. I do not think that that's going to happen. So in the games. When he's once he started starting those all those games at the end of the year, he had a, at a minimum um, thirteen touches in a game, and most of those games were at twenty or more, except for the last game of the season, which you always throw the week seventeen out the window, anyways. There were so many injuries in that offense at that point, but I understand what you're saying. Those those are just facts; they're not incorrect. I just think that Miles yeah. Sanders will get his 15 to 18 touches, and it won't approach 20-plus. They'll, they'll be able to utilize all the other people that they have on the team. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. I just don't think that he's going to... I mean, 18's a lot. That's 288 carries or touches for a season. That's in my ceiling of his per game. I'm just okay. saying the, the ADP jump based on his situation is not necessarily warranted. Whenever you see those massive jumps, they don't, they don't always pan out. Um but all I'm saying, and, and I think you agree with me, is that guys like Scott and Sanders are going to get a ton of passes if there's no receivers to play in Philadelphia. Yeah, that's definitely the case. So, I mean, I'm sure I have Sanders uh, way... Sanders is 13 on your rankings. Way He's, up higher. Yeah. Um, four, you have him ranked four below his ECR. His ECR, that would make it 10. Um, but right at his ADP. Yeah, so so that that seems that seems fine. A couple more guys I like Giovanni Bernard. Uh, we've talked about him before. Bernard is is a guy who no longer has competition from Rodney Anderson, who was just cut because he's torn his ACL sixteen times. Uh, so it's only well, I think it's, like at once th- or over and over again. I think it's three, but still, like that's an inordinate amount of tears yeah. to to a ligament. That's a lot of like <laughs> corpse, freaking ACLs that they have to cadaver ACLs they're taking. Yeah, so I, I like the fact that Bernard will go out there and get some some game going on, uh, and we'll see how that plays out. Uh, let's let's move on from running back quickly to wide receiver, uh, and you can tell me what I have. I, I like C.D. Lamb a lot in Dallas. Uh, I think that Dallas has a lot of weapons now, but C.D. Uh, and Jerry Judy were the top wide receiver prospects out of this whole class, and I know that Dak Prescott hype is a little out of control, and I don't necessarily buy into it, but the offense looks like it's going to do really well. And a guy like CD is going to be, the at least to start off, the number three wide receiver on the Cowboys. Yeah. And you and I know how that works out with a guy who's way talented playing against a cornerback who is not. He's going <laughs> yeah. to be open all the time. That's true. I, I think that um, Dak Prescott's agent deserves a raise because I bet you he's <laughs> responsible for all this hype. Yeah, he did a good job. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I, uh, I like Alan Lazard. We talked about that a little bit earlier. I have him at 52, and the ECR is 60. Uh, what's the ADP for Lazard? So Lazard's ADP, we, we're just talking about it. Here he is. His ADP is 64. 
Okay, so there's a good example of another guy who I think is going to end up being the number two receiver on the Packers. He deserves more of a like you know wide receiver five on your team. But if people aren't drafting him at all in the drafts, and they probably aren't based on that ADP, then you can pick him up at the very end as a flyer and end up with a guy who's going to outperform. Yeah, he's a he's a last round kind of guy. Um, Steven Sims is similar. I have him plus six at 67 rank, 73 ECR. Uh, and Brian Edwards as well, because his ECR is 90, and I have him ranked at 73, which is 17 spots above the uh, the ECR. I think Brian Edwards deserves to be drafted, because, as you were saying End earlier, draft, yes. when you look at that receiving group, he has the best chance at succeeding on a month on a weekly basis yeah he's a big target who's a proven receiver uh who uh who are you going to throw the ball to you know if if you are uh Derek Carr running from the competition you know I can't you're... help but see that you have Antonio Brown ranked at 94 Dave I do what do you know that we don't know I think Antonio Brown's going to play football this year uh, interesting Where, where's Josh Gordon on this list <laughs> you know <laughs> I don't know if Josh Gordon has an ECR ranking or not but uh I <laughs> do you have him ranked I think I do I, he's not showing up on the find. You ranked 120 wide receivers. Josh Gordon, not among them. Well, he's probably not in the top 120. I uh, let, let me check the actual... Uh, Oops. Yeah, I, I did not rank Josh Gordon. I believe he was on my spreadsheet, but I didn't actually give him the uh, benefit of a ranking there. Josh Gordon's... Oh, no, this was from last year. Never mind. <laughs> Um, there are some guys that have gone down a bit for me, even though I really like them. Uh, I I have uh, I have Cooks down a little bit, uh, and I Brandon I, Cooks. I really like Brandon Cooks on Houston. I really like Deshaun Watson. I'm just not sure what's going to happen there after the kind of been shaken up by the departure of DeAndre Hopkins. You mean his brain has been shaken up a few too many no, times? No, not Cooks. I'm not worried about the amount of concussions. You should be. Why? That's a lot of concussions. I'm not the gentleman's doctor. I only play him in fantasy football. Oh yeah, but I mean that. Of anything, like concussions should be a predictor of poor performance. Yeah, I don't know. If you can show me some kind of study where concussions tie to poor fantasy stats, I'll listen to you. I don't know that that's true. Um, there may be a predictor of an early career ending. But I know. <laughs> yes, for sure. I mean, we're just talking about <laughs> fantasy points here. It's not like I agree with the fact that he's been put into these situations or is even still playing, but me drafting him in a league is not like a consumer buying SpaghettiOs, you know? Um, you're. It's not like if you boycott drafting Brandon. This is Cook a whole other podcast. He's not going to be on a team in the NFL. We have nothing to do with Brandon Cook's uh, uh, prolonged uh, longevity. Are we going to do like a an <laughs> ethical football team? No, it'd be horrible. The the team would not be very good. It'd be horrible. You definitely wouldn't be drafting Adrian Peterson. No. <laughs> um, uh, Jalen Ragor, like we talked about him earlier on Philadelphia, who's now injured to start the year in disarray is such a horrible thing for a rookie, especially a rookie that was arguably the best receiver on that team, and that sucks. Alshon Jeffrey, by that same regard, uh, is also on my list, minus six. So that puts those guys at a rank of 61 and 78 for wide receivers, which means you don't draft them. Yeah, you've even got uh, Arthago Whiteside much, like, way below uh, where he where everyone else puts Dude, him. it's just Philadelphia. Like, it's just dumbed down on Philadelphia. Yeah, and I guess that means don't draft Carson Wentz. Uh, who's he going to throw it to? Right? Like, he's not going to be a top 10 quarterback if he only has tight ends and running backs to throw to. I really don't think so. Yeah. Um, I I don't want to touch on uh, tight ends, really. Um, we could We could talk about... 
Superflex just a little bit. I actually have Superflex rankings that I do now, and that's a new category if you weren't familiar with that, Why don't Jason. they have um, quarterbacks? Oh, there they are. Uh, so so I have uh, uh, Superflex rankings in here, and for Superflex, I have Deshaun Watson way up higher than uh, ECR had him. I actually have him at rank 7. I love Deshaun Watson as one of the best quarterbacks you can ever play in fantasy, as a guy who can run, the guy who can throw, and he protects himself a lot better than someone like mm, Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray. Yeah. Um, I like Josh Jacobs on Las Vegas a lot. Again, they're going to have uh, some issues at receiver, some issues at quarterback, but one thing I do know they're going to do is run the ball and try to utilize him even more. All I've heard all camp is that they're going to get Josh Jacobs more receptions, more receptions, more receptions. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that Derek Carr is for that too because it's just one more play where he's not going to get tackled uh, by the opposing line. Yeah, a couple of the quarterbacks I, that really stick out to me in your super flex that you might be able to get as a steal – Jared Goff and Sam Darnold. Uh, Goff being a, you have him at 50, his ECR is 67, and Sam Darnold, you have him at 89, his ECR is 112. Yep, I agree with that. And you have to look at the Jets. We didn't bring them up because I think they're kind of uninteresting. But that's about I, as much of the Jets as we need. I was just gonna <laughs> just say we talk about wide receivers. You know, they uh, they don't have uh, um, uh, who's the guy who we we were always loving for those long touchdowns. No, they've got Robbie Anderson still. Um, but they did have a guy opt out, I believe, this year. Well, it's it's Crowder and another uh, another guy. And I'm pulling up the Jets depth chart right now for us. They're in the east. There we go. So they got Prashad Perriman, who they picked up from Tampa no, Bay. No, Robbie Anderson's on the Panthers, so you must have missed that in the offseason. Oh, goodness. So he was signed to a two-year, $20 million contract. This so is the first episode, folks. So what I was talking about... <laughs> well, the thing is, we don't see any Jets news in Chicago. Like, who cares about what's going on down there, right? No, you just hear that Frank Gore is going to be the <laughs> starter over Le'Veon Bell. And no, it's hard to disbelieve that. That's not what I've heard. What kind of news is this? Frank Gore is more impressive at camp that's ridiculous don't listen to anything you you, you hear about <laughs> camp do you think frank gore is going to be the starter so <laughs> unlike a lot of teams they actually have two starting running backs listed levian bell and frank gore i think that they will to some degree split carries i i think so they will for sure and they drafted the michael payrine um he's injured but that was right a fourth now, round pick so it's not like it's uh going to be a huge deal no well they they liked him actually but uh but p ryan is uh has sprained his ankle which uh has basically put him way behind the competition because he was in competition with frank gore and frank gore uh went tanya harding on him uh so that he could make sure (laughs) so he could make sure to play for another you clipped the microphone there was a great laugh all right so so he could make sure to play for another season (laughs) look i mean they've got as as long as adam gase is there they are not going to have success but my my whole thing was uh, Sam Darnold is someone you should think about uh, not picking up, although I agree with you that he's undervalued. When you look at the top receivers on the team, it's Jamison Crowder and Brashad Perryman. He's only worth owning in Superflex leagues. Yeah. Um, so so that's about it for me. I Do you want to talk about any other specific positions? Uh, there, there will be a lot more news that comes out this next week, obviously. And uh, and then football starts on Thursday night, which is fantastic. And I I just can't uh, I can't contain myself. This Jason. time, eight days from now, we're going to be done with a football game. Oh, that's incredible. So that's great. And it's even less time if you're listening to this and it's not live. <laughs> so... Um, from all of us here at the expanded Drink 5 family, 
Um, thank you for listening this week. And uh, we will be back next week before any football games, hopefully joined by our rookie expert, Sean Foss, in order to preview week one and give you the lowdown on all the rookies for the 2020 season. Cheers, buddy. Good night. Or as they say in New York, La Michael. Wow.